you are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 49. I just called to say I'm grounded. The four of them hustled off the bridge, and along a series of grey corridors on the bastion, which mostly went around in circles. Dana suspected they weren't heading anywhere in particular, but that Athos was moving for the sake of not punching walls. She wouldn't let us go after Buckingham, Porthos asked. Athos growled under his breath. Need somewhere we won't be overheard, in here. He lurched them into a storage space that turned out to be more of a cupboard than a room, full of humming printers. Is it me? Dana asked. She wants me to go back to my duties on the Frenzy Kenzie. No, you're definitely off that detail, said Athos with a vague wave of his hand. Porthos and Aramis are to return to their own ships in the armoured shuttle after the next ceasefire. But you and me, Dana, we're assigned to the Bastion for the foreseeable future. Aramis and Porthos stared at Athos, with wide, startled eyes. Athos, what did you say to her? Aramis asked in alarm. The truth. Dana swallowed hard. How much of the truth? Pretty much all of it. I was trying for honesty points. Athos looked weary. I made a miscalculation, major miscalculation, two miscalculations, but at least one of them was based on information I didn't even have at the time. Aramis leaned into Athos, one hand stroking his hair. Breathe, darling, and try to talk at human speed for the sake of us mortals. What's the problem? Our problem is that Treville doesn't give a fuck about whether the Duchess of Buckingham lives or dies. She thinks the Cardinal's plan to squeeze more ships out of valour is stupid and won't work, but she's not willing to let all four of us scupper it. But she knows now about my lord, Dana burst out. Surely she must understand how important it is to discredit him in the eyes of the Cardinal. And get him out of play, Porthos added. Yes, said Athos. He looked miserable. That couldn't be good. She does understand that, but Treville has her own priorities. Turns out that the Sunkist have made diplomatic overtures. In twelve hours, the regents will be communicating directly with whoever is in charge of all those shape-shifting red blobs and their shape-shifting grey teardrop ships. And we get to find out if there's anyone still alive down on truth. Aramis's hand stopped stroking Athos's hair. Oh, I can see how that is more important than an assassination attempt on Valor. But that has nothing to do with us, repeated Dana. Not directly, at least. Right? She was still trying to get her head around the part where she had been released from her duties on the supplies transport. Why? Athos gave Dana an apologetic look. The problem is, the other problem, on a very long list of problems, is that I just revealed to Dreville that you and I have both had recent personal experience with a sun-kissed spy. 
so she wants to keep us here on the bastion, in order to answer all the intrusive and embarrassing questions that may or may not come up during the negotiations with the sun-kissed. Dana let her head fall back against the nearest printer, with a thunk. You know, Porthos said, after a moment of long and awkward silence, I always thought that if one of us got entangled in a highly political alien sex scandal, it would be Aramis. Dana kicked her in the ankle. What now? Aramis asked. How long before Porthos and I have to be back on regular duty? Two hours until the next shuttle back to Shalo Station, said Athos, which gives us a short window in which to save the Duchess of Buckingham's life and screw over my Lord de Winter without leaving the war zone. Any suggestions? Chevreuse, obviously, said Aramis. Yes, said Athos. She can warn Buck at least. Maybe send support, though we're going to need someone on the ground. Who do we know on Valor? The Countess of Claric, said Dana thoughtfully. That took Athos aback. You mean the one with all the new aristocrat wanker friends we had the duel against? She's my lord's sister-in-law. She's crazy loyal against her f- about her family, but I don't know if she'd still be on his side if she knew the truth about what he is and where he comes from. Devious, Athos said. I like it. There's also the embarrassing possibility that I'm still married to the bastards, so I get to have a delightful conversation with her about breach of contract and bigamy. Porthos, got any convenient boyfriends in positions of power, influence, or really sharp swords anywhere on Valor who could get to Buck before my lord does? My boyfriends tend to be conveniently located around Paris said Porthos. Not that it's not still faster to get to Valor from Paris than from here, but... She looked at Aramis, who rolled her eyes and groaned with genuine pain. No, it's not a bad idea. It's a terrible idea. Well, if you will go having affairs with married women who storm off to become important people on other planets. But she hates me. We're not talking about Chevreuse again, are we? asked Athos. Felton, sighed Aramis. We're talking about Jan Felton, who quit the Red Hammers to take up a position as a planetary marshal on Castilian two years ago. Athos blinked again. But Jan Felton hates you. She hates me so much, Aramis agreed. We'll bring her in. Can't afford to be choosy. Come, Santa. Let's get messaging. Athos made a shooing motion and pushed Aramis and Porthos out of the printer cupboard. He glanced back briefly over his shoulder at Dana as he went. Oh, and we have to call D'Artagnan's mother. Add that to the list. Dana was startled. Maman? Why? Athos waved his hand airily. Treville finally promoted you to captain-lieutenant as a musketeer. Mothers like to know that sort of thing. Aramis and Porthos crowed with delight. Athos grabbed each of them by the neck and propelled them along the corridor, leaving Dana gaping on her own in a cupboard full of printers. What? was all she could think of to say. No, no. 
Really? What? The Saint-Gervais, a.k.a. the Bastion, had many facilities and resources not enjoyed by standard fleet ships. Not only the impregnable shielding and a complete inability to use offensive weaponry, but also a state-of-the-art comms centre. Athos had been right to bring them here. The Bastion was designed to be the final holdout for high-ranking personnel, and not only boasted a good range of highly secured military frequencies, the lines of communications that made jump engines feasible, but the luxury of privacy booths and access to those same securities for personal calls. Aramis and Porthos stayed long enough for Aramis to make discreet calls to Chevreuse and to Marshal Felton. They had to leave after that, queuing for the shuttle back to Shalo Station, so they could return to their ships and the fleet. Dana knew that it was less dangerous for Aramis and Porthos to fly back on the official shuttle than it had been with Athos in the pistachio, dodging and weaving the laser blasts from the sun-kissed on their way here. But it felt worse somehow, whenever the four of them were separated. Not Dana and her three musketeers, they were... The four musketeers now. It would take her a while to get used to that idea. Athos was enclosed in one of the privacy booths, continuing along and possibly painful conversation with Bianca de Winter, the Countess of Claric. Dana had squeezed in there with him long enough to make introductions, should B fail to recognise the man who had so effortlessly kebabbed one of her friends with a rapier-length pilot slice back on Paris satellite. But she withdrew once Athos began telling his story. Dana was proud of him. He had concealed his true identity for so long, keeping Athos the Musketeer as far as possible from the troubled and officially deceased Comte de la Fere. Now it was all spilling out for the sake of crown and solar system and the life of the Duchess of Buckingham. What would Athos do without that layer of secrecy? They had attempted to get a call directly through to Villiers' house, where the Duchess of Buckingham lived, according to the app Planchet had made for Dana a million years ago, which gathered all of Buck's appearances on the gossip node. The athletic Duchess had become a digital hermit in recent weeks. There was no hint that she'd stepped outside her home in days. So why wouldn't she accept the call? They kept trying. Perhaps Chevreuse would have better luck. Dana leaned back against the smooth white curve of the privacy booth wall, wondering if Athos was done with his call yet, and whether B would prove to be an ally. They had decided to tell her the truth. It wasn't like Athos had not already tipped my lord off that they knew his plans. At least and it was a small thing to be grateful for. Milord no longer had that sealed stud from the Cardinal, promising amnesty for any crime he cared to commit. Dana had been trying very hard not to think about the fact that Milord wanted her death as a personal reward. Worst fling ever. She hit the call key again and watched a still image of Villiers' house in the Duchy of Buckingham on the continent of Castilian, on the planet Valor, fill the screen 
as she waited for the signal to tell her that the call had not been accepted. This time, the screen flickered and gave way to a friendly amber-brown face with gold scales running down the edge of his cheek and neck and blue-tipped, spiky black hair. God damn, she had forgotten how beautiful Conrad Sue was. He wore loose practice gear, caught in the middle of laughing at someone else's joke. Villiers house, he said, and did a double take at the screen. Holy shit! Hey, said Dana, laughing at him. Miss me? Always, Conrad said, recovering a little of his usual swagger. How did you even know I was hiding out here? I didn't. I called for Buck. Now I am disappointed. Conrad pulled an expression that made her want to reach through the screen and smack him. Or possibly kiss his face off. Yeah, who was she even kidding with those options? I'm being serious, she told him. Has anything unusual happened lately? Oh, Buck keeps to herself. I've hardly managed to get her to joust with me at all, though she has a kick-ass zero-g practice tank in a back garden. Luckily, she hires security guards who like their sport, so I can usually find someone off-duty to play with me. Keeps me from going completely stir-crazy. Dana grazed her lower lip with her teeth. No security issues? Oh, we've had word from the local marshal to be on alert. We've stepped up house and perimeter patrols, said Conrad, his face losing some of its customary humour. You had something to do with that? Oh, Felton was on it, after being alerted by Aramis to the situation. That was good to know. There's been an assassination threat, said Dana. She hesitated to say it out loud, but these comm lines were the best they were likely to ever have access to, and it wasn't as if they wanted it to be a state secret. Still, part of her felt that if she said the name out loud, then Conrad would figure out everything, her stupid behaviour around Milord for a start. And she hadn't realised until now that she really, really did not want him to know what an idiot she had been. Huh, something to emotionally unpack at some point. But not right now. A threat to Buck? Conrad asked, switching quickly from flirtatious to businesslike. Given your history with the assassin in question, you're both at risk. Ah. Conrad sighed, tilting his head tiredly to one side. Our silver-haired friend? He doesn't always look the same, said Dana. He could look like anyone, Conrad. The tailor whistled beneath his breath. I've heard of tech like that. So have I, Dana said pointedly but he doesn't need to use it? His expression froze over as her meaning got across. There was only one known alien race that could change their faces as easily as their clothes, and the solar system were currently at war with them. Fuck, said Conrad. I know. I mean, fuck, we took on new security today, Dana. He's not there yet, Dana assured him. He can't be. He was on Shalow Station less than six hours ago. Even if he uses jump, even if he switches ships at peace, so there's no waiting, it'll be at least another day before he gets to Valor. 
But when he gets here, Conrad said somberly, he could look like anyone and he'll be gunning for Buck. Dana could see his brain working behind his eyes. He was already figuring out the best way to keep the Duchess safe. Conrad had spent his whole life doing this for Alec, and now he had another selfish, privileged new aristocrat to babysit. Get out of there, Dana urged him. Hop a transport for Paris. You're not his target yet. If Milord turned up at Villiers' house and found Conrad Sue there, so soon after Prince Alec had freed him from captivity, it was impossible to believe he wouldn't take a moment to enact a personal revenge. Yeah, that's not going to happen said Conrad, with a biting smile. Anything else I should know? Dana hesitated. There was something else, something that had been churning around in her head since her own first trip to Valor. She hadn't articulated it to Athos and the others. She wasn't sure if it was too crazy for even them to accept. When I met Buck, she said slowly, you know, when I went to collect that mission you sent me on. Secured line or no secured line, she was not going to say the words Prince Consort's diamond studs aloud. I remember, said Conrad, his mouth curving into a smile that made Dana feel warm all over. She was having a breakdown. She seemed to think... She called him Winter. She said that a version of him, the scary silver-haired assassin, was actually inside her head, watching her. She kept herself drugged or drunk or both to keep him at bay. It, it could just be paranoia, but she could be compromised, Conrad said slowly. I get you. I mean, a person can't just climb inside another person's brain. Can't they? said Conrad, his dark eyes fastening on hers. I get it, Dana. You're saying... I can't trust that Buck's decisions will be in her own best interest. Yes, said Dana. That's what I'm saying. Good to know. He gave her a smirk. When can I expect you to ride in to save the day? You can't. Guilt rose up in her. We have orders to stay here. Hopefully he won't even get near the house. But keep your guard up. Always do. Conrad winked at her. Don't suppose you have a personal com code I can use to keep you in the loop? Dana hadn't even thought of that. This was how unsettled she was just from seeing him. She leaned in and pressed her wrist to the transmission screen, giving Conrad the code of the Prince Consort's opal that she still wore. She and Athos had pawned the La Faire Sapphire to fund the restoration of the pistachio and the buttercup, so she was free to hang on to the opal for the time being. It felt appropriate for Conrad. It made sense to keep him off her general comm, from which she received fleetnet communications. Conrad grinned as he received the code. I like the jacket, by the way. The musketeer look is so hot this season. Dana felt her cheeks grow warm. <sighs> It belongs to Aramis. I haven't had a chance to print one of my own yet, and she didn't want me to wait. I assume that means congratulations are in order, Conrad said. Captain D'Artagnan, 
I knew you were going places the first time I laid eyes on you. Oh, was that before or after I tackled you to the ground? Definitely during. He kissed his palm and pressed it to the screen. Take care of yourself, Dana. With that whole interstellar war thing you've got going on over there. Come home in one piece, yeah? You too, she said, her throat feeling dry. There was something so intimate about him asking her to come home. Slowly, she leaned in and brushed her lips to the screen. Keep in touch, Conrad. You too, babe. Bring me back something pretty from the war. End call. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawan land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.